0: Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today's topic is pessimism, which can be defined as a lack of hope or confidence in the future. At different times in our lives, all of us might experience pessimism, especially if our future is uncertain or we find ourselves in a situation where the odds seem stacked against us. This can be compounded by societal conflicts and current affairs, and increasingly, teens and young adults feel a sense of worry, anxiety, or even futility about the future. We'll dig into the psychology of this on a future episode, but today, let's unpack the Buddhist perspective on optimism. Our guest is Stuart Adams, a firefighter in California who shares the story of how chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo helped him transform a feeling of futility and powerlessness into a life of confidence and action. I'll let Stuart share the rest.
1: My name is Stuart Adams. I'm 28 years old. I live in Oakland, California, and I'm a firefighter for CAL FIRE, the state of California's wildland firefighting agency.
0: Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to speak today. So before we jump into the topic and more about your story, um, let's just get a little context on your actual Buddhist practice. So can you share, how did you encounter SGI nature in Buddhism? And then when you actually decided to try chanting, what was going on? Like, why try?
1: So I was introduced to the practice through my mom. Um, she's been a long time member, uh, and it was always around growing up, you know, we would have meetings in our home and there would always be folks coming around from the practice and, and it was all, 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 very nice, but I didn't take it as my own until I was like 16. Um, cause at that time I was, I was really struggling in high school because, um, I started to develop a sense of like my life is kind of meaningless. You know, it was like I, I, I didn't have that many friends. So I wasn't enjoying kind of like the moment and I didn't see like a direction that I wanted to take my life in. So it was like I had nothing that I was working towards and I also wasn't enjoying, you know, this moment very much. And uh, there's a sort of like a, a sense of um, almost like nihilistic meaninglessness of my life. Like no matter what I, no matter what I do, you know, at some point I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of suffer and then I'm going to die and like, that's it. Uh, so a little bit of a dark time for me. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, my mom encouraged me to try chanting and, uh, what I started to see was that, you know, first thing was that I started to show some talent in my schoolwork for the first time ever. It was actually mm-hmm. funny enough. It was in like a chemistry class. Where I started actually like, be enjoying learning and seeing myself as having a little bit more talent, Uh, and and you know seeing that there's like oh there maybe there is a maybe there is like something that's special about my own life, maybe there's some way that I can take some direction that I can take my life that is Mm -hmm. uniquely mine. Um, Wait, wait, really quick, really
0: quick pause. I'm just curious, is that something you were specifically chanting about? Like I want to do better in school, or it just happened?
1: it just happened. I, I was like, you know, I was, I was not thinking much about like a specific prayer so much as I was thinking about like, damn, it sucks. (laughs) Like, like, like kind of like, you know, day to day this, you know, it's sort of miserable. Uh, and I went to the, you know, I went to the go home zone just sort of with that Mm. mindset of just like, man, I just want, I just want this to be better. I didn't think I, I I don't think I started chanting like with any particular goal in mind. It wasn't like, I'm going to, achieve this amazing dream or you know I I did have a prayer like two years in after I kind of doing started doing activities regularly I started chanting specifically about like making friends and eventually like chanting about like what kind of college I wanted to get into. Uh, but right when I started it was just like I want to just kind of enjoy living, you know? Mm. But from there it took me on a path from there it like I I sort of naturally started getting on a path of like there's a purpose for my life and there's a direction that I want to take my life in. And that's something that, that's something that's kind of been a a through line for my practice since then over the past 12 years. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the, the mission has been something that's been the sense of mission, the sense of like purpose for my life uh, has uh, become very important for me.
0: Yeah. 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 I want to dig into all of that because I feel like that's, that's the thing, this, what you just described of like feeling kind of purposeless and, um, pessimistic about life and, and the world and our purpose is something a lot of people feel, I think. And I mean, it's, it's very real, even purely from a climate change perspective, but for many other reasons as well. I think a lot of people, young people suffer for that reason.
1: Yeah, Um, totally. I feel like, I, I mean, I can totally feel it where it's like, you know, the the greatest generation had World War II and like, you know, our, our parents sort of had like, you know, kind of these big, you know, struggles for peace and the end of, end of the Vietnam War and all that stuff. And uh, this generation is just sort of like bickering. And it almost just seems like this pointless conflict that's not going in any particular direction. So mm-hmm. I can see what it, I mean, I can totally feel it. it's a fight every day to not be pessimistic.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we'll circle back to that a little bit. But in terms of you beginning your practice, so you started to to kind of, it sounds like see yourself a little bit differently, or discover like a different kind of potential for experience and purpose in your own life. Um, so I mean, so I'm, I'm curious, because now you seem to be on a career path that's like very specific and like very yeah. purpose oriented. Um, as, and I'm, I'm curious, like, where did that begin? Did your Buddhist practice influence it? Or how did you sort of discover this, this dream to, to become a firefighter, if it even was the dream?
1: So it, it's it's kind of a long and convoluted path. But um, when I went to college, I, uh, I got a liberal arts degree. So it was super broad based, but the focus of my education what i ended up doing was us history and politics and i wanted to you know after i stopped pursuing like stem stuff i really got into like okay i want to do political work i want to do advocacy like you know i want to kind of fight for these causes that i believe in and then i graduated in 2016 and really seeing the um kind of the vitriol that is in the political world and the just how uh, sort of a state of political discourse is right now, I thought this is not the right time for me to, to enter that field. But I still wanted to be a public servant. I still wanted to be, you know, I still wanted to have a career where I'd be helping people who are in real, real need. Um, and I actually had taken an emergency management course in college kind of on a whim and then after I graduated I was and I was kind of confronted with this I was like you know that kind of fits my desires for my career that's something where it's like I want to be a public servant I want to directly help other people through my work so I'm gonna you know pursue emergency management as like kind of a long-term career goal emergency management is kind of a specialized discipline uh, that is it, coordinating among multiple response agencies and community stakeholders and all that. Um, But I think based upon my practice, I have always had respect for uh, those who work on the ground, those who are kind of closest to where the work is being done. And so I wanted the base of my um, kind of professional experience to be on the ground operations work. So after I, um, after I graduated from college, I went to a local community college, got my EMT, uh, worked as a, worked as an EMT for two and a half years on an ambulance. And then, you know, while I was doing that, ended up going and uh, taking a uh, firefighter one academy at another community college, uh, and, you know, got myself in a position where I could get hired by Cal Fire that same year.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh love that way of also approaching it, you know, like just to think of the foundation of your experience as being on the ground. Um, So, so, but then this all, I guess when we spoke on the phone, you shared that the, the kind of journey towards where you are now was impacted in part by the pandemic. Um, So it wasn't like a smooth road, but uh, (laughs) I, I, yeah, tell me a little bit more about the journey and specifically, um, you know, thinking about the theme of this episode, I'm thinking like like, like, what did you personally have to challenge in order to get to where you are so far? Obviously, you're still on the journey. I know. <laughs> well, um, I you know what challenge- I
1: mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. I, I, think if I had to challenge a lot of fear. Uh, I'll, I'll say that from the jump. Like the, uh, so I would, you know, this, you know, back in like late 2019, I was finishing up my prerequisites for, um, for my fire Academy, right? Like I had to take, you know, there were a couple of courses that I had to take before I could actually get into the Academy. Um, and in the process of doing that, I actually had to ask myself, like, how badly do I want to do this? Because what I was looking at was like, you know, I'm supporting myself by, you know, and I live in the Bay area, like it's not cheap to live here. So I was supporting myself out here working full time on an ambulance. So that's 40 hours a week. And then this is a full time fire academy. It's like thirty five hours a week, so every every weekday except Wednesday. What you know, we had half the day was class, and then it was Saturday and Sunday full time, like both days. Uh, so I I really had to ask myself, like you know, how bad how bad do I really want to accomplish this, like it you know, or do I want to you know pivot and like just go kind of the EMS only route, um, and. Uh, You know, I was reading, um, I was reading actually from the, uh, from the, from the Gosho, which are the, like the letters that Nichiren Daishonin, who founded this practice, wrote to his followers. And in one of them, uh, he actually, actually let's pause here for a second. If I have this quote, it's still on my altar. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in, in a letter to one of his followers, Nichiren writes, a sword is useless in the hands of a coward. The mighty sword of the Lotus Sutra must be wielded by one courageous in faith. Then one will be as strong as a demon armed with an iron staff. I, Nichiren, have inscribed my life in Sumi ink, so believe in the Gohonzon with your whole heart. The Buddha's will is the Lotus Sutra, but the soul of Nichiren is nothing other than nam myoho renge hmm. So I, kind of with that in mind, I was like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, I, I realized that my, kind of my hesitation towards whether or not I wanted to do this academy was driven by fear. It was driven by like fear, uh, fear of failing. It was fear of losing all my personal time and like, you know, and wanting to protect that versus like, you know, what was motivating me to do it, which was like, you know, accomplishing this dream, like, you know, setting up my career in a way that's on my terms. Um, and so I said, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going (laughs) to, just going to send it. Uh, and that sort of set me up for that semester. So I started like, it was January of 2020, two months prior to really the onset of the pandemic. Right. And, uh, and during that time I was, I was, uh, you know, I lived like 45 minutes away from the campus where we actually were doing the course, like. Doing the course, but my work was only 15 minutes away. So what I would do was I was like living in my car basically, because I would, I would leave from home, go to class, go to work right after sleep at work, and then go back to class. And then I'd be able to come back home. Oh so <laughs> it, was, it was a, you know, it was a sort of a continuous road trip. Uh, and practically all of the sleep that I got was like, Thankfully, you know, working on an ambulance, we had we had bunks at work, so I could I could just knock out there. Um, but there were so many times I actually went back to this quote, and I thought because there were there were so many times during the course of that academy where I was like, felt like I was slamming my head against the wall like over and over, just trying to find enough time to eat and to sleep and to do the things I needed to do to take care of myself. But every time I went back to that quote and I was like, no, I have to be, I have to be courageous. I really have to, I can't, you know, I can't give up. You know, it's only by being courageous and taking courageous action that I'm going to have the strength to get through this. If I'm working mm-hmm. from a standpoint of like, no, I, you know, it's too much, then I'm going to, I'm going to fail. And it's not going to be anything that I decide to do that causes me to fail, you know? So, uh, that was like, that was like the first the first few months of the academy, we were in the middle of doing like our, our skills testing for wildland firefighting. And they were like, Hey, we need to, everybody needs to get off campus. Like we're shutting down campus. Everybody needs to go. We're going to have to do, you know, after we had this, this week, right. To flatten the curve, (laughs) after we flatten the curve, we're going to come back and we're going to finish up our testing. And we're going to go from there. Well, you know, a week to flatten the took curve, a, took turned a into two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> and we were all in limbo. We were like, we were like, Oh my God, like, are we going to like, is this, is all this effort going to be for not mm. like, and, um, you know, it's so amazing. Like, I think, uh, you know, the, the actions that we take, the, the courageous action that we take are what bring out these kind of, brings out the protection of the universe to put it in Buddhist terms, right? Because the lead instructor for my academy was totally, it was like kind of on the cutting edge of fire instruction throughout the state. And he already had like 90% of the course online. And I'm pretty sure this is correct. Uh, But there are like, are there around 30 college fire academies in the state of California and mm-hmm. only eight of them were actually able to complete their course of instruction that semester, and oh, wow. Chabot College, where I went, was one of them. And I was so like so grateful to my practice for because, you know, had I given up part way, I would have not been able to enjoy like, how fortunate I was to actually finish up my academy. And mm-hmm. you know, May of that year, after you know, and this is also, I mean, this is leaving aside the part that I was working on an ambulance full time. Uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> which was, which was just another, another oh, whole thing. Gosh. Uh, y- Like, you know, I was still able to complete my fire academy and get myself set up to, you know, get hired by the state just a couple months later.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I, I have one follow up question here. Which cause it kind of sounds like this is a theme in, in, in your practice and what you've shared so far. But this like desire, or I guess like in Buddhism we use the word determination, right? Like when you make a determination to do something or you're determined to do something, you do it, period. You know, and like you chant yeah. to like get yourself over the finish line. Um, which but the thing is that like the courage that you needed to pull out of yourself to to start and then to continue and then to finish, it sounds so far away from the person that you described in the beginning who kind of felt like what's the point of anything and I'm just thinking again you know from the perspective of someone who's listening who might like really sort of feel that way like how how did you like come to believe in something so strongly that you were willing to like fight to bring out your own courage you know what I mean because many people I think started things before the pandemic and then just really felt like lost and Okay, it's not me. The world is stacked against me, so I'm gonna like kind of take a rest right now. Not to say there's something wrong with that, but it just, you know what I mean. Like it seems like a a really big determination or like some something you really believed in. And I'm curious what that was.
1: You know, I I uh, one of the things that always comes back to me, uh, during when I'm when I'm chanting is uh is that prayer in nature and Nichiren Buddhism is not it's not like you're asking for help from outside mm. prayer in nature and Nichiren Buddhism is not like an appeal to some greater power in the universe to solve your problems. And that's a hard concept for a, a, a lot of folks, because I think, you know, when, when, when I like tell my friends that I'm, that I'm like, you know, I'm religious and I'm like, you know, I have, I have a religious practice that's like so important to me. They, they're, they're kind of taken aback because they're like, no, I think you, I think you just like, you've just got a good philosophy going on, but because, because it's like, but it's true. It's like, because people really think of a religious practice as like kind of a, of deferring power from your own life to something exterior. In nature and Buddhism, the the power that's inherent within the universe is entirely present within your own life. Mm -hmm. That's what we're taught over and over again. And so that the mindset that you have to take to to your prayer in order to have a strong prayer is one of like, I am going to accomplish this, this, this task, you know, you're making your, your, it's like, you know, in order to, you know, the, uh, uh, like president Nikita has described a prayer as like, you know, this sort of like intermeshing of gears with the power of the universe. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're disconnected, if you're just hoping that, you know, this, you know, your, your, your drive shaft is going to power you, without you being like, you know, in sync with it, then you're fooling yourself. The, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something that's come up to me again and again through my prayer is like, is like, you are an active participant in the creation of your dreams. And when Mm -hmm. you are an active participant, when you challenge your, you know, when you challenge your fear, when you challenge these things that hold you back, that's when you get this like big push from the universe. That's when you find the right circumstances to actually achieve your dreams. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, before, before I started chanting, um, I really, cause I used to get bullied. Like when I was in, when I was in, you know, elementary school, middle school and high school. And, uh, and often just sort of felt that I was sort of, subject to the the judgment of others and the way others thought about me had a big impact kind of on my own, um, sense of self. Mm. Um, and I think I carried a lot of that through with me when I was starting to chant. Um, but this process had, you know, one of the things that I feel like I've been able to transform is the sense of like, you know, because I, I have demonstrated through challenging things through faith over and over that, like, I can take my life in the direction I want to take it. That has become like so ingrained in me where it's just like, I'm living true to myself. My prayer, my goals, my dreams are something that I have to take full responsibility for because if I rely on the way that the world thinks about me or, you know, kind of the way that circumstances dictate where way direction my life is going to go, um, I would have never achieved any of the things that I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. Um, so so yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like it's a little it bit totally.
0: Rambly, but... No, 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 it totally, <laughs> it totally makes sense because it strikes me hearing you say that 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 sort of pessimism that many of us feel sometimes when when things just feel so insane that, you know, you're like, what am I possibly going to be able to do? Maybe I shouldn't participate. Like that feeling, I think it yeah. does also come from feeling incapable ultimately, you know, mm-hmm. like it, like if you see yourself as someone who can't affect change, even in the smallest of ways, then of course the world is going to yeah. feel so overwhelming. So that transformation makes a ton of sense the way you described it. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you show up differently when you believe in yourself.
1: Exactly. You know, we are facing some like intractable, seemingly intractable problems in the world today, but you know, they, all these problems are created by human beings so they mm-hmm. can be solved by human beings. And no matter how yeah. hopeless they may seem, like we still have to face them with the sense of, I, we can't, we can change this. Like yeah. we did this, we can, we can undo this, you know? And, uh, and, and, and like, that's sort of the basis of, that is sort of the basis of developing faith. You're, mm. you know, you, you challenge problems, which seem impossible, but you go in front of the Gohan Zone and you say, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. It's just going to happen. And then you go out and you try your best. And like, that's how you start to develop confidence in your own life. And that develops into something where you have really deep confidence in what you're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that. I was reading something similar from Ikeda just this weekend. And um, yeah, it's also why like chanting is a daily practice. No one, you, you know, it's on a one time, one time deal. It's hard work. Yeah, yeah. Showing up over and over again battling doubt, making mistakes. And then as you described, ultimately unlocking what, you know, we call this ability or Buddhahood. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I I'm curious if, um, j- just kind of back to, back to the story. So like after you graduated, um, and started to work, how long has it been since then? And like, have there been any big challenges there on this path as well, or, or like, how's it going? <laughs>
1: <laughs> How's it going? It's been—I mean, as corny as it sounds, it was a trial by fire. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I, because I got hired, uh, I got hired by Cal Fire in July of 2020, and within a month, actually, my first shift, I ended up working for two weeks straight uh, on uh, on two fires that were up in the in the, the northeast part of the state, and then almost immediately after that, we had the uh, 2020 lightning siege. So we had like a once in a decade dry lightning storm that lit fires all over the state. And that included like Santa Clara County and Santa Cruz and Sonoma County. Like there were these huge lightning complexes there. They all lit off, they sent like the, they sent the world to these fires because they were right on the edges of communities. But I, I work in a really rural community. So they, they, there was just less urban wildland intermix. So they didn't send as much up to us. Uh, and we were one of the only, I was working on a hand crew at that time and we were one of the only hand crews in the North state. So what that means, what that means for folks who are not familiar with kind of uh, wildland firefighting is uh, you, know, you got fire engines, which actually you know have water and a pump. It's kind of what you'd think about in terms of like mm-hmm. classic fire apparatus. Hand crews are, um, it's just a bunch of dudes with hand tools. Like you basically go to fires in a bus Uh, and then, and then I'll pile out with hand tools and cut fire line. We use, use our tools to cut away, uh, fuels that are on the ground. So that fire moving along the ground will just kind of stop at the edge where we cut our line. Um, so, uh, it's very, very physical work. It involved nearly nothing that I learned in my fire Academy. Uh, and in addition to that, because of the drawdown of resources in the state, Uh, And us being one of the only hand crews out there, it was every day. Normally, normally for, you know, uh, uh, Cal Fire does it where we work a 24-hour shift and then we get 24 hours off. But because there were so few resources and they needed a hand crew on the fire every day, every day was like, work 12 hours, drive three hours back to our station, sleep for like four hours, and then drive three hours back to the fire. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we did that for two months and, um, it was challenging too, because normally like when I'm, when I'm chanting, like I have the opportunity to like actually sit in front of my go zone and have, you know, sit sit in front of my altar and like take the time and, you know, like really focus on what I'm chanting about and focus on my prayer. Um, but when I was, but in this situation, there was no time really for me to like set time aside and be like, you know, I mean, I'm going to chant, I'm going to chant about this. Um, and it was really kind of catch-as-catch-can prayer for the first part, but what I found was, like, everybody was miserable. Everybody on my, on my, on the crew that I was working on, on, everybody was really just struggling a lot because it was, you know, brutal shift work, and we were, you know, and it was really discouraging because we would do this work and then it would get burned over while we were off the line, and, you know, so we'd have to come back and do it again, and really challenging. Um... So I actually, but you know, you know, Hey, I'm a Buddhist. Like I I challenge things through prayer. So I had to find a way what I ended up doing that season actually was, uh, we'll actually say, because, you know, we've been talking sort of about pessimism and optimism and all all that. And I think, uh, this experience was one that really kind of challenged what it means to be optimistic, like as a Buddhist, because Mm -hmm. what I'd found, what I found was that like my mindset when I was really struggling was like, I really hope it rains or I hope we get good weather, or I hope that, you know, they make the right choices while we're off the line so that we can get done and we can go home. Mm-hmm. And it was really, and, and, you know, it's great to be hopeful like that, but it's a hope that totally defers responsibility to another, per- to, to, to the environment, to other people, to, you know, for stuff like that. And in situations like that where you know we are totally outgunned we're fighting like this desperate battle to fight this fire with nearly no resources um i had to really think i had to really rethink like what is my prayer like what is my desire on my crew so that we can get through this even though the odds are so stacked against us mm-hmm. um and and i really I, I went through and i rethought all my prayers and i actually during our three hour drive to the fire, I would actually like take take time aside. I would set an hour aside during the drive when everybody else was sleeping to where I would like basically chant under my breath, you know, about that day. and like, what our mindset was that day. And I, and I actually, uh, have them here, the, uh. Oh wow. Yeah. The prayers were, uh, you know, bring forth In in, in Buddhism, we have this term called shoten's engine, but it basically means like these protective functions in the universe, the the people and the things in the environment that actually like protect us. So bring forth shoten's engine to protect all responders and civilians and create conditions to quickly accomplish objectives, to work as hard as I can, exercise self-control, don't complain or blame others, show appreciation and take responsibility, be a source of morale, uplift the fighting spirit of the entire crew be a source of unity, bring the crew together in the spirit of many in body, one in mind, and that everyone goes home safe as soon as possible. Mm. So it was really prayer that was all based on like, what is my attitude going to be? And Mm. what role am I going to play in bringing to, in, in, in affecting the things that I can control in my immediate environment? And when I started chanting like that, even though it was like, you know, not in front of my altar or whatever, I was just dirty and tired and miserable and, and, you know, bouncing around in the back of a crew bus. uh, That's when things really started to to shift on our crew where it went from everybody's just feeling miserable and wanting to go home um, and just kind of suffering in silence to like, we almost developed this sort of like gallows humor where it was, you know, everybody was, everybody was suffering. We were facing really difficult odds, but we were like laughing the entire time just about how, how awful the conditions were. Um, And we ended up working super hard. Like our crew really pulled it out and accomplished some big objectives on these fires. Um, uh, You know, in the end, actually we ended up being awarded a challenge coin. Our crew was awarded a challenge coin by the uh, incident management team um, Mm -hmm. managing that, that fire, Uh, which like never happens. Like, it's not, it's like a, it's, it's almost like getting, you know, we don't have like medals in the fire service, but it's almost like, you know, getting an award for really, really doing a good job because we, our crew basically buttoned up the entire northeast corner of that fire by ourselves. So, uh, yeah, so, so Mm. that, uh, and it also ended up being, you know, I have a kind of an embarrassing story to tell (laughs) (laughs) from that, from that fire. But I actually, I made a big mistake because I, you know, 45 days in, I, I, uh, was so homesick and I was just, everybody, they, and everybody else lived close by, but I lived, you know, two and a half hours away from where we were stationed. Um, and so everybody was able to, you know, when, when they gave us like, like every 21 days they'll give us like 48 hours off just two days off don't have to work but you do have to stay within a certain response time of the station in -hmm. case they really need a hand crew and they need to send us somewhere um so every nearly everybody was able to go home but i wasn't because i lived two and a half hours away um and i actually i made a mistake i went against orders uh and i went home i drove back down to the bay area uh i you know I was able to sleep in my own bed and see some people that I was really, really missing. Uh, but then I got a call saying, hey, there's a new fire. We need to go.
0: Oh, my gosh. Um,
1: and so, and, I, and I, I just had a, it was like a total panic moment. I got in my car and I drove up there as fast as possible. Um, but by the time I actually got to our station, they had left. Hmm. And, uh, and I thought, I'm so screwed like there's, I'm for sure getting fired. After all the sacrifice I had gone through, after everything I had done, both this season and in my fire academy and everything leading up to get this job, I was like, I'm for sure, I'm done. Um, but, uh, and so actually at that time I called my mom, <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, cause I was like, I just need, I just need, I need some guidance right now. I need some encouragement. So I'm going to call, <laughs> I'm going to call the, the person who initially inspired me to chant. Um, and, uh, you know, she reminded me that like, no matter what happens to you, good or bad, when you're, when you have faith, everything that happens to you is either a benefit or it's protection. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're going through this, like you need to have confidence that no matter how bad this is, no matter if you get fired, that this is something that's important for your life. So, so she told me over the phone, be a man, don't lie, (laughs) call your, you know, call your command center and tell them exactly what happened. And, uh, accept whatever comes out from that, you know, Mm. just be totally honest. Uh, and so I did. And, uh, the command center was actually taken aback that I was just being totally honest with them <laughs> on the phone about what happened. Um, but I eventually, a few days later, I was actually able to get up to that fire and, uh, and you know, kind of face my reckoning for my supervisors. Um, and turns out that the, you know, the, the, the supervisor who was like in charge of like the two crews that got sent out that I was a part of, he didn't know me personally. Uh, and so, and, and neither did the, neither did the chief who was actually in charge of like discipline within my unit. Um, so they actually asked like the firefighters that were on the, that were on the crew with me. Um, and they, you know, they, re- they told them like, you know, he works really hard and he's really important for the morale of the crew as we've been going through this, like, you know, it, and, and it ended up, they gave, they, they, they gave me a basically they gave me a, a written letter of reprimand and I was able to keep my job. Oh. Um, and as embarrassing as it is to share, I think it's important because like, you know, people make mistakes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, you may, you may, it, it, you know, and I, I have certainly made mistakes. I, you know, make big mistakes, but like, when you, I think by developing a mind of faith and like by having friends in faith, like my mom and like, you know, fellow members who you know, are in, you know, encourage me to, you know, be courageous, you know, take action based on faith. Any mistake that we make can be transformed because it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how bad you may have, feel like you've messed up. Like it's all part of the wisdom that's inherent within your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what I'm hearing from what you're saying, and I love how real it is, Like, is like your worth is not dependent on that, right? Your worth is dependent on on you just accepting that you have this potential in your life and then deciding to adopt that attitude and continuously act on it rather than like what you have or haven't done so far make you who you are, which I think a lot of people get tripped up on that. Like, I screwed up, so this is it. And like sink into that like, oh, no, like this means I'm worthless or the opposite extreme like become very arrogant because they've done stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. And oh, not absolutely. really help yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So just like one follow up here because you've touched on it with like this this story too. You know, something that we haven't discussed yet is just Buddhist practice is not just chanting by yourself. It that is yeah. the core, right? But it's like we practice in a community for a reason. And I'm mm. I'm curious like along this journey of you really Deciding to to make the practice the thing that like anchors you, and also like get through everything you just described. Like, what role did the Buddhist community play, or like, what was that piece of it like?
1: You know, it's like it has always been friends and faith that like help to push you to the next level you know, people within the SGI community who have said, no, like, you know, set your goals super high or, you know, you're facing this problem and it seems impossible. Just, you know, do these things to, to, you know, put yourself in the, you know, in the next level. And like, and furthermore, like, I would also say that at a very fundamental level, like the desire that I have had to serve others comes from being, you know, being a leader, supporting other young men, mm-hmm. like the, just the, there's a Buddhist concept called dependent origination where everything that you are, you know, to put it in a nutshell is like everything that you are is a consequence of the actions that other people in your environment have had on you. Nobody... Grows up in a vacuum. Nobody becomes their own person, totally on their own, and uh, and as as a result of that, like you know, when you start to have appreciation for like what your life is, like the things you've been able to accomplish, then there's inherently a a a, a duty to support others, to you know, to support others do that same thing, right? And yeah. uh, and like you know, supporting. Supporting activities behind the scenes, you know, being, you know, being a leader in the organization where I'm like, you know, I'm calling, calling young men and checking in on them and like encouraging them to go out to activities. Like that has been the the foundational practice, which has given rise to like everything else that I have done and like the, the impulse that I have, which has like driven my career to serve others. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because it's like when you practice, like when your daily practice is power yourself up every morning, you know, like reflect on what you need to to take responsibility or take the next step and then like engage with other people and tell them they can do the same thing or ask for support if you feel like you can't. Like if that's just your rhythm of life, then you you start seeing the world very, very differently, just naturally. So I I relate to it very much. I understand. Like yeah. sometimes when I'm completely lost about what's happening in my personal life, just those two things, like they like pick me up and turn me in another direction, you know?
1: Yeah. So yeah. I, no, I, it, I feel like at yeah. every tu- at every at every turn it's been like, you know, I I I can't express well enough how <laughs> like how how important like the young men's division leaders who have supported me have been for my life.
0: I am curious, um, because uh, I, I want to move to our, our our closing questions just really quickly, like thinking back to what you shared in the beginning, you know, just and and like this kind of per- pervasive feeling of pessimism that I think whether it's about the state of the world or the state of your own life, like that limitations type of feeling, how do you how do you see like your role now or like your purpose now? Or how do you think about the future now?
1: Um. I think my own role is like, I don't know. I've always had this desire to be the kind of person that people can look to in really challenging situations. Um, like I, I don't, I don't ever want to be the guy who, when somebody asks for help, says, "I'm sorry, I can't help you." Mm. I, you know, and uh, and I think the role that like, you know, so many people I think right now are feeling pessimistic. And like, it's a very tangible thing where when, when stuff is just going insane, going insane, you know, people look to a firefighter to kind of be like, no, 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 we got this. Like Mm -hmm. don't relax. Like, you know, everything's, everything's going to be fine. But that's a very, that's a very tangible thing uh, of like, and it's not only when, you know, there's a house on fire or, you know, forest burning or whatever. It's like, you know, we get called out to we get called out to medical calls where, whether or not something is actually physically going wrong with somebody's body, like they are freaked out about what's happening. And the first step towards helping a person heal is to be somebody in their environment who's like, "It's okay. We're going to take care of this. You're you're going to be all right." Um, and uh, you know, even even um, like in the situations where like, you know, kind of at the, at the worst end of the spectrum where we have to deal with, with death, it's like, as a, you know, as a Buddhist, it's like, you know, how can I give comfort through like my confidence and my like belief that this person will be happy in the next life Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, that we, you know, will that, you know, through my presence there, they're going to have some dignity in their passing Um, Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, somebody's house is burning. It's the same process where, you know from uh you know no matter how extreme the circumstances may be like my role my first role is to be calm confident and just make somebody feel like things are going to be all right it's like the first the first job that i have on scene always is to calmly assess a situation and decide what course of action i'm going to take yeah um, but that is something that any person can do You don't need to be, you don't need to be pulling hoses off an engine to, you know, to, to have that mindset of like, things may seem super gnarly right now, but like, they're going to be okay. We're going to start taking action and we're going to resolve the situation. Yeah. That is, that is something that, that anybody, that anybody can do when they develop that confidence that like their life has the potential to transform the world.
0: Yeah. And like. What, it sounds like what you're describing is actually humanism, right? In in Buddhism, we talk so much about humanism, like, because when you do feel that way about yourself, you naturally do come to respect anybody you encounter in the same way. Yeah. And it's very interesting, actually, because in some ways, like this, this humanism or like humanistic mindset to to just not only be thinking about the task, but be thinking about the people is yeah. like the exact opposite of nihilism. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. I would even, I would even add, add on to that. Like, I think, uh, you know, like, like some people think of optimism as just sort of like kind of, uh, observing, observing or, uh, 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 uh observing the good in things or hoping for the best outcome as like a passive observer of mm. the world. Thinking the thinking, I mean, I would say that like, the thinking of, well, things are just going to be all right. Things are going to wind up. Somebody's going to take care of these things is a, I think, is a disempowering mindset. Hmm. What we practice is like a, it's a fighting humanism. It's a fighting optimism. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's like, it is defiance of, defiance of pessimism and active yep. action towards optimism. You know, I love we, that. we're, yeah, you know, cause I, you know, the, a, a, a wildland firefighter can stand around hoping for rain, you know, all they want till they're blue in the face. The fire's going to keep burning, but if you mm-hmm. go out there and you know, cut a line around it or put some water on it, like you are actively creating a better outcome in the end. Yeah. It is a fundamental mindset of through my actions I am going to change the circumstances that I find myself in. Like yeah. through my actions and through like active optimism, through active you know like through taking action based on hope. I am going to change the world, you know.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. such a wonderful way to put it. Like optimism—that's someone's going to take care of this—versus optimism—that's I'm optimistic because I'm going to take care of this.
1: Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to happen because I'm going to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
0: I'm not waiting. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, so on that note, I will <laughs> move to our, our closing question, which again, I feel like you've, you've sort of addressed, but just explicitly. Um, so for anyone who's listening who might be new to Buddhism, but maybe struggles with feeling, you know, a similar type of pessimism or even just purposelessness, given the state of the world or their own circumstances at the moment, what one piece of advice would you give them?
1: I would say you'll never know what you can't accomplish with your life until you just start going and doing it. Like when I I started my practice, I was truly lost. Like I was truly, I had no, you know, no sense of like where I was going in the future and I had no, I was not enjoying what I was doing right in the moment. But it was by taking one step, it was by just, you know, an initial leap of faith of, I'm going to try this thing that I started to see the path open up in front of me. And when you start your practice, when you start chanting nam myoho kyo those things will naturally open up in front of you, but you have to take that first step. You have to take that first step of saying, of, of, of singing and chanting and saying, okay, I think this is the right thing for me. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm going to chant and then I'm going to go out and do it. Mm. And once you do that, then like, you know, the wisdom that you have within your own life to know who you are, what you want to do will start to appear. Regardless of how deep the struggle you may be dealing with is, you have the capacity to overcome it. You have the capacity to live a life that is greater beyond your wildest ambitions. You know, mm. there, there's, there's no doubt that you can do that. And the way that you'll find it is by chanting and by just taking that first step and then taking that next step. It's that simple. It's challenging, but it's that simple.
0: Stuart's story reminded me of a passage from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda about why it's crucial to take one step forward each day. I'll leave you with those words today. He writes, It is important to become strong and to not be defeated. Don't become the kind of people who are always depending or leaning on others, or who weakly and timidly leave all the hard work and responsibility to others. If you allow yourselves to be sad and negative people who envy and despise others, the sun of your inner lives cannot shine through the heavy cover of clouds that blankets it. Whatever obstacles you may encounter, please use them as launching pads for your growth and keep advancing, bravely enduring all hardships, telling yourselves, I'll show them what I'm made of. Please continue patiently and tenaciously along your own paths. Resolve to be the sun. This is the first thing you must do. As long as you are the sun, no matter what problems you may be facing now, the dawn will always break. Fine weather will always return, and spring will never fail to arrive. With that, as always, if you have questions or you'd like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can email us at connects at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.